0: BLOB TALK RADIO
1: It is Wednesday night, and that means nothing more than, yes, it's the Orange Report with Mike and Matt, and it is real football talk for the first time in a long time. It is game week, college season kicks off tomorrow. Our game is Saturday on the road at the Fighting Irish. I don't think it gets any better than this, other than walking out of there Saturday with a win, Matt. How's it going up in Fort
2: Worth tonight? I hope you're as excited as I am. Welcome to 2015, sir. The year officially is beginning tomorrow. Happy New Year. Yes, it is.
1: It is a, It is upon us. And um, joining us in about three or four or five minutes or so, we're going to have Eric Murtaugh from uh, One Foot Down. That is the SB Nation Notre Dame site. So he's going to come on and, and, and talk about the game a little bit. But uh, being the curious uh, person that I am, I've been on Notre Dame's 247 site. Um, I've been on their SB Nation site. and have been, been to several other of their, I guess, just general fan sites. It's really not, um, you know, a part of a recruiting site. Just different sites started by fans. And um, I have to say, um, they obviously um, have watched the Arkansas game. And watch the TCU game from last year because they basically are treating us as if we're the uh incarnate ward um coming into um into South Bend because uh and, and you know, after if you saw our offense play and saw us play last year, how can you not be that confident? Um so so basically I, I think I've seen about maybe a handful of Notre Dame fans or posters kind of have some reality and said, Hey, you know, you know, we weren't that good either. We look good on paper. They're still young, but you know, so gave us a little respect. But for the most part, we've been pretty well um, disrespected. And you know, you would think, well, you're, you know, Mike's going to go on a rant about that. But hell, I can't disagree with him at this point. Um, I posted on a I posted on a Longhorn board earlier that somebody posted a bunch of stuff that Notre Dame fans were saying, and I said, how can you disagree with any of that? I said, and and my exact post on that thread was. Well, and, I mean, we're a laughing stock of college football right now, have been for five years. So the way you become not a laughing stock is go up there and punch somebody in the mouth um, Saturday night and get out of there with a win. Uh, and, and that'll stop that talk. So, uh, you know, the talk is done. Uh, it, it's time for real football. And, and if you don't want to be laughed at and see national people tweeting all this stupid stuff we see, it's time to step up and. And say what we're made of. So I mean, I can't disagree. I mean, I I mean that that you know we're still talking about the Arkansas game. You know, nine months later, it still has a bad taste in my mouth. So I mean, you know, so if that's the last impression you have of a a University of Texas football team, uh, yeah, I would be pretty damn confident too. If I saw Notre Dame uh, look as bad as we did uh, in their bowl game, um, you know, we would probably feel a lot different too. So uh, it is what it is. So uh, I guess what are your early Early thoughts um, on the game. Uh, you know, I wish we were opening up with a, with Stephen F. Austin to get get the new kids their feet wet. But I mean, hey, this is what they this is what Malik Jefferson and, and and all these kids came to Texas for to play in, play in a big time football game on Saturday night. And It doesn't get much bigger than this, Matt.
2: Yeah, and we haven't seen something like this in a long time. I mean, it's just really exciting. I mean, normally, honestly, the first game of the year is usually exciting for no other reason than getting the tailgate started again in Austin and planning all that, and, and the game is almost an afterthought, and of course, you want to see some freshmen come in. You don't want to see anybody get hurt, but you, you're going to walk out of the stadium not knowing anything more about your team than you did when you when you read all those magazines in the off season. so... This is a totally different feeling. I mean, 1999, we opened with NC State, which, you know, was an actual team with a pulse, and, of course, they beat us. But going into that game, I don't think, you know, we maybe were a little bit like Notre Dame fans. I think we thought, well, we'll take care of these guys, and then it's on to the next one. Um, But it's super exciting to me, too. Like, I'm I'm as pumped for this game as as back when we were up in the top five and having some of these showdown games with OU or or bowl games or anything like that because – you just you're going into live fire from opening kickoff, man. And I've been telling people, you will know something about this Texas team by halftime of the first game, which you can almost never say. And I'm all for it. I mean, it's after all, it's entertainment. Uh, yeah, it would be nice to start the year one and zero with some cream puff, but it doesn't get much more entertaining than rolling up to South Bend for the season opener. And I also have to say. What's also nice is actually playing at their home stadium instead of playing a neutral site game at Soldier Field or something stupid like that. This is two traditional programs playing home-and-home series on campus wearing traditional uniforms. This is the way college football is supposed to kick off.
1: And with that said, um, joining us now on the Orange Report uh, from One Foot Down, the SB Nation site that covers Notre Dame athletics and Notre Dame football. Uh, without further ado, Eric Murtall. Eric, welcome to the Orange Report with Mike and Matt. How's it going tonight, sir? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We're glad you're here. And, um, you know, uh, I guess I'll start with this. I, I was telling our listeners um, the my open little monologue that I kind of went on a perusing uh, of various Notre Dame sites and, and you know, and, and and I was, you know, not surprised at what I saw posting. Notre Dame, you know, fans feel extremely confident in this game because I said they must have saw the Arkansas game last year as well and must have it on repeat because, I mean, we look like a junior high football team. So I guess from your perspective, that's really my first question. Uh, one is, what's the excitement of, uh, you know, having the University of Texas come up to South Bend and then obviously the the, the feeling of Notre Dame fans because obviously y'all rank from the top 10 or 11 depending on the polls. Uh, we're kind of in rebuilding mode, but Notre Dame expects big things this year.
3: Yeah, well, first of all, it's very exciting to have Texas coming up to South Bend. Um, You know, I think Notre Dame, the fan base as a whole, is really respectful of programs uh, on the level of Texas and the tradition and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, when the Texas fans come up, I know it's been a while, almost 20 years or whatever, since they've come to South Bend, I think everyone will enjoy themselves and and get along really well with the fans, and, you know, uh, I was just listening in here this past few minutes, and uh, I, I couldn't agree more. Just the sense of uh, two traditional teams, uh, you know, classic uniforms uh, inside Notre Dame Stadium, I think it's going to be a, a great atmosphere in the night game aspect to it only adds to the to the electric atmosphere. Um, you know, I think with good reason, a lot of Notre Dame fans are, are pumped for the season. Um, if I could just kind of put the Texas game off to the side for one quick second, I think, with all of our returning starters. um, You know, just the the talent from top to bottom. You know, we have a couple spots, uh, maybe safety and and nose guard specifically, where we're maybe not quite as deep, but really every other position, they're really deep. And, uh, you know, people are saying things like, this is the most talented team since the 93 team that almost won the national championship. And, uh, you know, there's been a couple really good Notre Notre Dame teams over the past couple decades, so High expectations, you know, I think for most fans, if we go 10-2 or better, that's kind of the expectation this year. If I could just look at Texas, I think, you know, a lot of people are just looking maybe at the schedule as a whole and seeing, well, maybe Texas is the fifth or sixth most toughest opponent and thinking, well, where we should win easily and, you know, Charlie Strong still in rebuilding mode and stuff like that, and maybe the quarterbacks aren't quite... Um, you know, up to par in terms of a team that could upset Notre Dame. But, you know, from my point of view, um, I think it's gonna be a little bit closer than people think. Um, you know, I tend to I tend to uh look closely at the Vegas lines and it's only nine and a half points. That line came down quite a bit over the summer, over the off season, so um I think it's gonna be a good game and I I think I tend to overrate Notre Dame's opponents because we've seen so many uh miscues and in, in, in the teams sl- Starting slow, uh, uh, especially at home, early in the season. A couple of years ago, um, I'm sure you might remember when South Florida came to South Bend, and it was probably the strangest game uh, football I've ever watched. And they ultimately uh, upset Notre Dame. So that's always kind of in the background for Notre Dame fans, kind of worrying about an upset like that. But you know, with with, with uh, I think there's a there's a right that we should be uh, pretty positive about this game, but you know Texas still have a lot of talent and Charlie Strong is a really good coach so there is still some worry in the background
1: Yeah uh yeah I agree with everything you said um well, let's step into it um on the offensive side of the ball obviously you know y'all may may you may disagree with me but I, I think you know y'all season really hinges on on the quarterback and obviously I mean he's you know thrown roughly around 35 passes um he's obviously – you know I would almost call him a running back if, as a quarterback you know we don't know really how good of arm he has, but we know he can scramble. Um, So how do you feel that the Notre Dame offense, obviously, with with Zaire, I mean, I know we're going to probably see a lot of zone read, but uh, how do you think their offense is going to attack the um, Texas defense? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think everyone's kind of waiting to see how they
3: change things. You know, Brian Kelly is a spread coach, more of a pass-first spread coach, although they tend to be pretty balanced, not anything air-ready. Uh, in that regard. Um, but, you know, the zone read really hasn't been a big part of the offense over the last five seasons. Um, Colson was a good scrambler, but he was kind of a smaller player and was never really comfortable reading that, that option and uh, just never was a big part of the offense. But Zaire's a completely different player. He actually seems to relish that opportunity to run the ball. Um, I would agree with you completely that he is more of a running back, uh, you know, at this point. I mean, we've seen him play a little bit. Uh, last year and he got some significant time against USC and of course the, the bowl game against LSU. Um you know he's looked good as a passer in games um, but it, all the reports from practice were that he's pretty inconsistent uh, he's got a nice deep ball he can throw the the screens and the slants pretty well he's got a really strong arm but it's kind of a stuff in between that he's a little bit inconsistent um, so yeah we don't know exactly how the offense is going to come out uh, Notre Dame traditionally is has been kind of a three wide receiver, one running back, uh, one tight end, kind of a team. A couple of years ago and we went to the national championship, kind of went more to two tight end sets, slowed things down, ran the ball a bit more when Colton was a redshirt freshman. I think this year we're kind of expecting more of a power spread in the vein of Ohio State, um, getting more tight ends out there, uh, using the H-back more. Basically what you saw in the bowl game against LSU, I think that's probably what we're going to see Um, against Texas, and, uh, you know, I would expect Zaire's probably going to run the ball 10, 12, maybe 15 times, depending on how close the game is, so probably a little bit more power spread than Notre Dame has has been used to in the past few years.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because I I really feel that, you know, even though we're we're, going to start a lot of young guys um, on defense, a lot of rotation at defensive back, we've got some, you know, two or three you know, freshmen that are going to probably play a lot, and they're big guys, 6'2", you know, 6'3", 200-pound guys, um, very athletic and strong. I just have a feeling we're going to attack the, you know, we're we're going to force him to to make some throws, and we're probably going to be, you know, tight coverage um, to stop him running, and and, and I think that's how we're we're going to attack. We're just going to be press coverage. And you know we're going to probably play a lot of man and, and put people on an island and, and make him hit a big play to, to over the top. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. Um, who are some guys on offense um, that, that we could look for who are who are playmakers and, and you know who he's going to be looking for down the field?
3: Well, first of all, I think uh, the first guy I'm going to talk about is Will Fuller. He's uh, a junior wide receiver. Kind of came out of nowhere last year. He, he played a little bit as a true freshman in 2013. He wasn't really. Tech to be a starter last year, and then he went on to have 13 or 14 touchdowns last year. He's a, he's a bit on the smaller side. Um, I don't, he's probably six foot, generously listed, uh, 185, 190. Uh, but he's probably the one player, like you were saying, you'd probably expect Texas to, to stack the box early on and see if Sayer can beat him with his arm. Um, Fuller's the one guy who's probably going to be the guy that can beat press coverage. He was really good at that last year. Uh, his ability to beat that first defender, beat the corner, um, get off press coverage, and get downfield. Um, elsewhere in the receiving core, I think it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge. They do have some bigger wide receivers. Um, Corey Robinson, um, he's, he's a big receiver, six five, more of a long strider. I think he's had trouble getting off a jam, so I think you know that might be somewhere where Texas could have some. Some some good spots on defense. Um, the slot position, we're not really sure exactly what's going to go on there. Um, Amir Carlisle is kind of the starter there. He's a fifth-year senior. He hasn't really lived up to expectations, but I think most are expecting Tory Hunter Jr. to uh, take over. He had a big camp. Uh, most people are expecting him to have probably the breakout season for Notre Dame. Um, and there's a couple other receivers that are a little bit bigger. Equinemius uh, St. Brown, the true freshman, kind of wowed during camp. Uh, we could probably see him. And Chris Brown's a, a steady senior as well, um, a bigger guy, six one and a half, six two. 6'2". Uh, he's got really good speed, but he's been more of a possession receiver. So I think, you know, outside of Fuller, those are the receivers I think Texas would probably have a, a good chance of, of jamming at the line and, and making it difficult for there to, to, uh, to find throws. But I would imagine they're going to rely on the screen game quite a lot, and they're pretty dangerous at that as well. Um, you know, at running back, it's probably going to be – two players mostly on against Texas, Terry Folson a returning junior. Uh, they basically put him in bubble wrap all camp to protect him from injury. And then CJ ProSyth is probably the X factor really with the offense. Uh he came in out of Virginia as a as a safety recruit when they moved him to, to receiver and he kinda of blossomed last year late in the season. He's kind of do everything type of player, uh using him on jet sweeps, uh and stuff like that. Um with the suspension of Greg Byant I uh, he's number two running back in camp or in summer I should say. They've moved pro to running back, so he'll be the backup and he'll probably get some time in the slot as well. Uh he's got amazing speed. He's a big big player, six one, six two, uh 220, and he's got blazing speed. Um we get a big run in the uh the bowl game and that's all a few that kind of turned the tide in that game. Um tight ends a little bit more. Uh, there's a lot more question marks there. There's a lot of guys that'll play, but there really isn't the prototypical, uh, you know, first, second round, highly developed uh, NFL prospect there yet. So it'll probably be a few players there. I don't think anyone's really going to stand out, but that would be probably much uh,
1: what you'll see on offense from Notre Dame. Yeah, we don't even talk about our tight end position anymore. It doesn't exist. We we we. Uh, I mean, other than quarterback, <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably the most snake-bit position that we have. Uh, Matt, go ahead and jump in, sir.
2: Sure. Uh, Brian Kelly, I guess, in press conference this week talked about Jalen Smith and mentioned that he's the best player. I think he said the best player on defense and is not even close, which sent shivers down my spine because uh, teams with talented front sevens, especially TCU last year, Mm -hmm. really gave us fits because... They could get pass rush just with the front four, with bringing in maybe one linebacker and then drop everybody back, which had swoops thrown into tight windows, which is the recipe for disaster. So maybe uh, if you can tell fans a little bit about uh, what Notre Dame front seven looks like. I know there's been some injuries uh, in the preseason, but it looks like you guys have a lot of experience and are pretty stacked up front. Yeah, I think, you know, as Notre Dame fans,
3: we tend to, uh, think things are a little bit worse than they are. Uh, we didn't really have a great pass rush out of the front four last year, and that's some kind of the the problem, I guess, but that's not really the type of defense that Brian Van Gorder uses. Um, this is more of a an attacking, uh, you know, splits is using the linebackers a lot. Uh, they're going to blunt splits from all over the place. This isn't the type of 4-3 defense that's just going to, you know, rely on a dominant front four to get after the quarterback, so um uh, I'll probably start off by saying Jaron Jones was injured, uh, and he was probably the big cog in the middle at nose tackle. He was also coming off a list-frank injury late last year, so it was kind of unclear how healthy he was going to be, but he ended up hurting his knee, and he's out for the year. So the, the nose tackle position is going to be relying on uh, sophomore Daniel Cage. He played a little bit last year. And kind of a super freshman, Jerry Tillery was recruited out of Louisiana as a defensive lineman, or excuse me, as an offensive tackle. And uh, he just had great hands and was so developed as a defensive lineman. He's kind of the the co-starter there. So I think, like I said, when I first came out with you guys, that's probably the one position where there's a a lot of inexperience and uh, fans are a little bit worried. Uh, At league side defensive end, it'll be kind of a, a rotation with Romeo Aguilar. He's a really young senior. I think he's still 19 or 20. He came in to Notre Dame at like a ridiculously young age. Um, he's had an okay career. I think most people expect Andrew Trimbetti to kind of pass him, but I'm sure you'll see kind of a 60 40 split with Aquara leading the way. Trimbetti was a highly recruited kid out of New Jersey who's probably going to blossom into our big pass rusher. Uh kind of remains to be seen if he'll break out against Texas or early this season. Uh, on the strong side, Isaac Rochelle, probably one of the more underrated players in the defense. He's a, he's a big kid, uh, really athletic, he kind of blossomed last year. And uh, he'll be backed up by a couple players. A little bit inexperienced in there, but Rochelle really is a great player. Um, at the three-tech position, Sheldon Day, probably considered the best player up front on the D-line. He's kind of a a smaller, more stout, you know, penetrating three-tech. Uh, he'll be backed up by Jay Hayes. He's a sophomore who played a little bit last year after a bunch of injuries. I think it's a pretty decent uh, two-deep for Notre Dame. Uh, I don't think we're going to overwhelm Texas just for those front four guys. I think when you start to talk about the linebacker position, that's where things might get a little bit scary. Um, uh, depending on how Texas goes about utilizing their offense, we'll definitely have Jalen Smith and Joe Schmidt on the field at linebacker. Schmidt, uh, the famous former walk-on, kind of blossomed last year into the team MVP before being injured. Uh, he's at Mike. He's a little bit undersized, but he, he's quick. Uh, he's just a super smart player and, um, you know, our defense kind of fell apart without him last year. Jalen Smith, kind of the all world athlete, everything. Um, I guess you could say he's a lot like Malik Jefferson except two years older. Um, very similar body types, uh, very similar type of recruits coming out of high school. We use him at the weak side linebacker spot. We'll move him around a lot. Uh he moved around quite a bit last year, actually as a freshman two years ago, he was basically an outside linebacker dropping in coverage. Um, last year he's more in the middle. He's doing everything for the defense, so uh, he, he really is a, a freak athlete, and the kind of player on defense that could, could ruin a game plan if you don't get uh, linemen up on him to block him at the second level. And Like I said, we'll move him to the edge and get some pass rush out of him. I know Brian Kelly mentioned him, and him and Day are going to swing out to the edges in pass rushing situations uh, I think that's about it. We'll we'll, we'll use a little bit of a, a Sam linebacker. You know, we're we're like Texas now. We're kind of getting away from using those three linebackers. We're getting more nickel and dime coverages. So I think that's pretty much it from the defense and the front seven. Um, James Onwall will probably start at the Sam linebacker position, depending on how Texas comes out with how many tight ends or H-backs he'll be using. But uh, that's about it. Uh, a little bit worried about how fast Texas goes on offense because they like Mike's a substitute, and that's kind of been the off-season story about how they're going to keep their guys on the field to handle that pressure, because they did not handle it well last year, especially towards the end of the year.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, Yeah, well, let me shift gears for a minute, and, you know, I was looking at my clock here. It's about 8.21 um, Houston time, so I guess 9.20 South Bend time. About this time tomorrow, I should be about halfway to Chicago, Uh, me and my Co-host Matt. Matt will already be in Chicago, so we're actually going to be going to the game, and um, we expect a pretty good contingent uh, of Texas fans up there. We travel pretty good. I, I mean, I don't know. We may have ten, fifteen thousand people there. Who really knows? But um, so with that said, um, this will be my first trip to um, to South Bend in that area, so um, in Notre Dame campus. So, what are some some must sees, obviously, uh, around the area, in the town, on campus, that that, that you would tell me or anybody else traveling? So we have to go see and do. Uh,
3: absolutely. Are, I, I have to ask first: Are you staying in Chicago, or are you be staying in the South Bend area?
1: No, we're actually going to stay in. Uh, we're actually uh, staying in Chicago Thursday and Friday night, doing the whole Chicago thing. Then I'm gonna get up Saturday, and I've got a rent car, and I've actually um, uh, I've got me a parking pass for that darn golf course. So that's my plan.
3: Okay, that should work. Uh, I think it's a good thing it's a night game because you'll be able to get in enough uh, on Saturday. Uh, if it was an afternoon, three thirty start, it might be a little bit tougher. Um, I would say for the folks that maybe are coming in on Friday, they'll be in South Bend. I would I would recommend that they get to campus and, and see as much as they can on Friday when it's less busy because uh, it's going to be a madhouse on Saturday. You know, the campus isn't very big. Uh, it's a small private school. There isn't a lot of room. For people, right. uh, so uh, you know, if you can, get to, to campus on Friday and, and check things out. I got a little list here for you guys, if you don't mind me running, running through some of the things on campus. It's a really beautiful campus, and I would
1: oh, absolutely. highly
3: su- highly suggest kind of going through the whole tour, I guess, uh, and checking things out. Obviously, Touchdown Jesus is the big the big thing that everyone kind of knows. That's the mural on the south side of the library. If you get to campus, that's just north of the Of the stadium. There's a bit of a quad that separates the library from the stadium. That's where uh, Notre Dame's old stadium used to be back in the the 20s before they built Notre Dame Stadium. Um, That's kind of the the main area where everybody hangs out for the game. Um, Obviously, the grotto that's behind the the Basilica, that's kind of more in the heart of the campus. Uh, That's a must-see for people. I know know, not everybody from Texas is going to be Catholic or whatnot, but I would highly recommend going there and maybe saying a few prayers for loved ones. It's a really peaceful, uh, tranquil place. Uh, and It's a great place for pictures, uh, for groups and stuff like that. Obviously, everyone knows the Dome. That's the main administration building. That's right next to the Basilica, so you can kind of see all that at once. Um, I would recommend going inside the building. It should be open on Friday and Saturday. They actually do uh, trumpets under the Dome. Uh, the trumpets from the band will actually go inside and, and play a mini concert. That's always pretty cool to watch. You can kind of go up the spiral stairs and people hang out there. Uh, the bookstore is really cool. I know that's not probably going to be a huge thing for Texas fans, but there should be some good game day stuff that you could buy. It's a really beautiful bookstore. Um, it's two floors. It's pretty, I mean, it's going to be real busy on Saturday. There's going to be Stuff Scattered throughout campus where you can buy things But the, the bookstores definitely must check out Especially if you're on Saturday the um, There's statues littered all over the campus There's bronze statues of the coaches Bringing around the stadium gates uh, For all the guys that have won national championships There's Fair Catch Corby And number one Moses Also near the stadium um, You can check out the pep rally on Saturday, Friday night That will be inside the basketball stadium Right next to the football stadium Um, they do a stadium tour on Friday from 10 to five. You can basically walk in the main gate where the players would come out and walk right up into the the end zone and kind of check things out. You can't really go any further than that, but it's a lot better than it used to be. Um, there's a player walk. It won't be Texas players, but it's, you know, it's cool to see division one football players up close. They'll walk from their practice facility, um, across the road and then down to the stadium. Um, and I have to mention there's crossroads construction, that's our four hundred million dollar uh upgrade to the stadium. There's they're already building that. There's two huge buildings already halfway built on the east and west side of the stadium. So I would recommend people to kind of take notice of that and maybe take a little bit extra time to uh to get where you need to go so you don't miss kickoff. I'm not we're not really sure how that's gonna affect things, but uh I guess they're gonna be boarding things up, you know, before the game so people can get through. And, uh, obviously tailgating is going to be really big. Uh, I'm not really sure how things are done on Texas's campus, but like you said, you'll be on the golf course. I would recommend you maybe three or four hours before kickoff, head up to the stadium and just kind of check out things in the parking lot because they, they really do it well there. They don't spare any expense. Uh, you know, there's foods, tables, TVs. you know, it's just a great time for, for opposing fans to walk around and, and get to know some Notre Dame fans and, and I would say, you know, there won't be any worries about Notre Dame fans starting any any business. They'll welcome you and, and be interested to hear what Texas fans have to say. Um, but overall, I would just say walk around campus as much as you can, kind of soak in all the tradition and, and kind of uh, the beauty of the campus. I, I'm thinking it should be a great day weather-wise, so there shouldn't be any problems with that. So just walk around as much as you can. Uh, there's going to be just stuff littered all over campus. You'll have plenty of, plenty of stuff to do even with a night game. Uh, so I'm
1: hoping you guys have a good time. Well, cool. Yeah, that's great information. Yeah, me and my co-host here, obviously us, and a whole host of, of friends of ours. Uh, we we have a huge um, game day tailgate um, just a stone's throw from our our stadium every home game as well, and and we've got a pretty good group traveling. And and, and you know, y'all, will, you know, I, most fan bases know people that. They go on road trips are a lot of a lot, a lot of times different than ones at the stadium, so yeah you're you 're going to find most Texas fans are just there to have a good time, meet people, talk football, root for their team, and it 's kind of the same thing the, the you know I, me and Matt go on a, um a lot of road trips, and i mean we 've been to some rough places but not the only the roughest place we've ever been was Ohio State, but I mean most fans you know treat us um you know, pretty well, but we, you know, we're not going to talk about Ohio State or Michigan. We don't, I don't like those bastards either. So, uh, and then, well, uh, so, well, I mean, and then we're going to talk about it. Hell, USC ain't worth a damn either. We went out there and beat their ass. I didn't like, I, I didn't, I didn't like USC either. So that, and then, so other than, other than people at our conference in Oklahoma, that's about the three fan bases I can't stand. So, you know, so I, I don't think we're going to have any problem with um, Notre Dame, but I will ask you this though. I, I got this question emailed to me a lot this week. Uh, obviously, at our campus, you know, uh, you know, you're not allowed to walk around with open containers. But I mean, long as you're within a tailgate spot, and you're not just being stupid. You know, you know, beer drinking and alcohol consumption goes on. I know, I know that Notre Dame is a non-alcoholic campus. I mean, what is my rules on that? If I have a plastic cup and walk around with a beer in it, am I going to get arrested? Um,
3: no, you should be fine. Uh, they've really loosened up on that stuff over the past five to seven years. Um, Music to my ears. Yeah. Uh, Once you get within the vicinity of the stadium, it's kind of you know you can do whatever you want. Obviously with the drinking, Um, like you'll be up north in those uh, the golf course parking fields. Obviously you can drink as much as you want there. I think you know as long as you're discreet and you're not being crazy, you could pretty much walk around campus kind of sipping a beer and having a good time without anybody really saying anything to you. So no worries on that front.
1: Well, good deal. Well, yeah. um, Well, we look forward to to doing this again uh, a year from now. Um, I'll definitely love to have you back on next year when y'all are coming to Austin, and uh, and we'd be glad to have plenty of Notre Dame fans um, come to our tailgate. But yeah, that's my plan. I'm just going to park at the golf course, probably hang out, and that's what several people have told me. I'm going to head up to the main lots and just kind of walk around and cruise and check out campus for a couple hours, and then you know just kind of hang out. And you know, I I just want to. I want to soak in the whole atmosphere. So, um, Eric, we really appreciate it. Matt, you got anything else?
2: No, I, I'm going to definitely uh, take the advice that was given on the on the campus spots. I think that was great information. I know there's people listening that are planning their their day uh, when they get up there. I think that, that's some great tips. I know I'll have a ton of nervous energy before the game, so I'll probably walk and see just about every square inch of the campus as I try to wait for kickoff. So thanks a lot for giving us that info. That's good stuff. Well, Eric,
1: me and Matt are going to do our game predictions um, at the end of the show like we always do, and I have to put you on the spot. And I always tell people this, just because you're on the opposing team's um, podcast, it doesn't hurt our feelings. Uh, Pick the game as you really see it, and and if it's 50-7, to I'll respect that it's 50-7. to But um, go ahead, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your score prediction? Well, I just finished up my prediction,
3: um, my preview article for OneFootDown.com just a couple hours ago. I think it's going to be a, a pretty close game for a while. Um, I think maybe Notre Dame will run away a little bit later. But I think final score, I'm going to say 31-10 to 10 Notre Dame. I think, uh, you know, maybe it'll be 31-17 late in the game or something like that. I, it might be a little bit closer than people think. So I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, I kind of think Swoops is going to be a little bit, but a little bit better than people think. And I'm a little bit afraid of uh of Hurd's running ability. So I think those two things uh could could do some damage and it's gonna be a little bit closer than people think.
1: Well let me give you a name to watch. Two true freshmen that are gonna probably play more than people think. Um Chris Warren, about six two, about two thirty five, two forty, legitimate legitimate, four four, four five speed. And then Deontay Foreman, um uh, another young kid that's about six two, about two thirty five. Yeah, um, I know Gray is is the, is the guy, but um, I, our staff really likes these two young guys, and I expect both of them to get a, get a lot of carries. But Eric, before you leave us, tell my listeners um, if they want to go over to your site and I'll follow you on Twitter, have any follow up questions for you, or if they want to come over to your SB Nation site, tell them where they can find you on Twitter and all that good stuff. Sure, website's onefootdown.com. dot
3: com. Just all together like that. Um... You can follow us on Twitter, One Foot Down. Uh, You can also follow me, Emurta, O-F-D. That's E-M-U-R-T-A-U-G-H. And I hope you guys have a good time. Looking forward to this weekend. uh, And hope to come back on next year when we come down to Austin.
1: Absolutely, man. I sure appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. All right. All right, that's Eric Martel from One Foot Down, the Notre Dame SB Nation site. And um, he had a lot of great information, Matt. That was one of our better interviews, I think. Yeah,
2: I mean, I was going to say that, uh, I mean, as we've done these calls over the years, I mean, this is always my favorite part of every game week is getting, I, I don't know how you do it, Mike, but you consistently find guys that really know their team. So I feel like I'm an expert now on Notre Dame after listening to that and then uh you know just have a lot of good takes so uh I I love when we've got the opposing team uh you know uh beat writers or bloggers on. Uh they do a great job and I think Eric really he's one of our best we've had.
1: Yeah, you know, I I'll tell you what I do is I just start I start perusing sites and see who's who I think's insightful, who I think brings something to the table. Uh, you know, uh, I read their articles. I start following them on Twitter, kind of see what they're about, and um, I just start liking stuff. And I'm not saying you know
0: my my way
1: is right or if it's you know whatever, but I just start to get a feel that they they you know one they're not only uh, you know that doesn't bother me if they're a fan because I mean I'm not a reporter. This is a fan podcast, so I don't care if they're a homer or a fan. But if they you know but they have good information and they and they really know the team they're covering. And, and like you said, boy, we, we've hit some home runs and that, but that's basically what I do. I started, you know, earlier this summer and just started cruising around and I had it narrowed down to about two or three. One guy, you know, uh, I was going to have another two of them on and one guy couldn't make it. So I found him and man, it was, it was gold. So, um, yeah, it works out really good by doing that. So, um, and, um, like I said, I, yeah, it's, it, it's awesome. Well, I do want to give a quick Update on debonair Ayer-Clarington. Um, this is the only update uh, nobody really knows anything other than following him on Twitter. Um, apparently, um, he said tomorrow it should know something. Um, I, I guess he's retaking the ACT tomorrow. Uh, you know, with this online test, he should know something pretty quick. So, I mean, we're going to know something here probably within, you know, 72 hours or by Monday or Tuesday what his, his status is going to be. I mean, that's really the only update. I mean, he's got to retake the ACT. Uh, I'm sure the, the the NCAA won't take um, that long to rule because the score will probably get electronically sent to them. They'll sign off on it. Uh, you know, so it, you know, we'll, we'll just see what happens. Um, you know, I don't I know, Mike. We... It might
2: take it might take the NCAA about eight weeks to decide whether 27 is above the minimum score or whether it's at the minimum yeah. score or it's ridiculous. This whole—I mean—the what sucks about this is, you know, whatever investigation happened, it took so long that I mean, if they had told the guy quickly, they could have retaken the test earlier than this. But sitting around and making these guys just sweat bullets is unacceptable to me. Yeah, I mean, as soon as he set on the store, if they flagged it, they could have
1: said no, and then—and I don't understand what the key is. You know, I—I I have gone, you know, I've taken the GRE. I've gone to these different testing centers for different certification tests, and when you walk into things, you you would think that the, the damn Secret Service is checking you in. You go into this <laughs> little room with a cubicle. There's like forty-seven um, cameras watching you. I mean, all they got to do is pull that that tape and see if it. I mean, I, I I I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, I mean, he could have retook the thing in July if they were worried. But you know, I bet he passes the thing, and it's going to be okay. The key is will it all be done in time? For him to enroll this semester, she's going to have to wait till January. I mean, who knows? It's the craziest thing with the NCAA. I, I just don't know what it what the what the issue is. So, I mean, you know, hell, it's just crazy. So, with that said, um, let's let's talk about our season just here for a couple minutes. Um, you know, I will say this: uh, I really don't know what to expect, but I do think there's a different feel uh, to the team. Uh, I think the freshmen, uh, the true freshmen that have come in, have really energized the program, and they have such a desire to win and got a chip on their shoulders since they've committed and signed. You can just tell by the off-season workouts. Uh, We've got some true leadership um, on the team, and and it's young-led. So uh, I I like what Vance Bedford said at, at at his press conference. He said, They may not line up right. They may not know what they're doing, but they're going to make a mistake at 100 miles an hour. So they're they're going to go full speed and give you all they got, and they're going to punch people in the face. Now, they're going to make mistakes, and and, and so we're going to have some growing pain, but I think you're just going to see a different mentality. So from that aspect, I'm extremely excited about the season, and I'm excited for the guys that redshirted last year or played a little bit. Now they've been in the program for a year. I think we've just about weeded out all of the malcontents and the laziness. I think there's a handful of upperclassmen left. They're not on the depth chart. I think there's some guys that are sophomores or whatever that are probably not malcontents but are looking at the depth chart that are probably going to leave. So I think we're still anywhere from four to ten players away from attrition. So I think we'll sign a full 25 class in 2016. And I think 2016 is going to see the year that you're going to really, really see this tank thing really take off. If not, we're ahead of schedule and you start to see some things this year. I'm really starting to see the tide um, turn in just the way. And I, and I can see it in Charlie Strong. He's more loose. His demeanor's different. He's starting to feel it a little bit. He's starting to see the things that he saw at Louisville and at Florida. And, and he, he, he's starting to get a hint of, is it there yet? Absolutely not. Um but I think we're, I think we're really, really getting close now. Your thoughts on on anything, Matt?
2: Yeah, you know what stood out to me. Um, I think it was the, I think it wasn't the uh, press conference this week, but maybe the week before. Or at some point, when he gave an update on summer practice, and and you know, we're getting used to Charlie Strong too, right? You know, we've had this regime for eighteen years before that, and now we got. I mean, he's still a new guy to all of us, even after one full season. But you're you're starting to learn how to read the guy, right? And and we came uh, from Mac Brown who, you know, everything he did was very carefully calculated. Everything he said was calculated. There's nothing wrong with that approach, but that's just how Mac Brown was. I mean, he was a master. That's how he was such a good recruiter. He he knew the right word for everything, and you knew, you know, when he was kind of what he was saying and why. I think Charlie Strong is a little bit different. I think you kind of have to read between the lines with him a little bit, and, uh and I just noticed I, – I noticed the first thing, what you said, is his demeanor seemed a lot more relaxed. I think at first, last year, I chalked up some of what felt like kind of tension or a little bit of frustration even early in the year was maybe just not being used to, you know, being head coach at a major, major, major program. I mean, Louisville's big, but not Texas big. And I think now what it is, looking back on it, is I think he was stressed because of the situation he was in and I think you're starting to see the relaxation a little bit because now he's starting to see a team that looks like the kind of team he coaches, you know. And, and I think he made a comment about, uh, you know, if I think something to the effect that, you know, we get one more class in here like this, things are really going to take off. And to me, you know, that's a bold statement for a coach to make and nobody really ran with it because he didn't say, you know, we're going to win the national championship or anything but it seems a little bit out of character compared to what we heard last year. And it seemed pretty optimistic. I think I tweeted that. that He seems a lot more optimistic after, uh, after hearing that press conference. I think that's, I think you nailed it. I think he's seeing this class and he's seeing some of the guys that were on the team last year that are starting to get it. And he's starting to see how this thing might come together where, whereas last year I think he looked at it and he said, Oh my God, I have a lot of work to do. Um, so you know, I think you're right. Also, with Bedford's comments, there's going to be some catastrophic mistakes, and there's going to be some huge plays, and it's going to be a wild roller coaster ride. But uh, if, to me, uh, you know, I'm excited if if we can take down one of these big big cats on our schedule, number one, and number two, if we can just look better uh, on the field, and you know, the, obviously Arkansas, some of these other games, we just looked like I mean, we didn't have prayer uh, even mentally in the game. Uh, I'm okay losing, and I'm okay losing fairly big in some of these games against these tough opponents if we're fighting the whole way. And that's what I'm really looking for at Notre Dame is, like you said, punching somebody in the mouth. You know, let's see if we can punch somebody in the mouth and at least uh, put a scare in these guys and give us something to look forward to the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, and you know it's all going to hinge. I mean, we're going to start two true freshmen at the offensive line. Um, I mean, and I mean you look, just look at the the initial um, two deep that's put out. I mean, there's not a lot of upperclassmen. It's going young, uh, and I mean it's going to even be next year. I mean, when Colin Johnson comes in from next year, Hemphill, Tredarian Dixon. I mean, it has become. I mean, John Burt is, is starting. Uh, the wide receiver. You're going to see some other young guys play a lot on offense. Chris Warren, um, Deontay Foreman are going to play a lot. I mean, you're just seeing a youth movement, and that's why I still say you're going to you're going to lose four or five other guys. They're going to transfer because they they just the writing is on the wall. He wants his guys in there, and 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 and, and so he's going to flip the roster. And it's just about I, I expect by February 2016. Um, we're going to look at the roster, and there's not going to be but ten or twelve guys um, left, if, if that many, at that point. Um, I think most of the the Matt Brown guys will be gone, and
2: he will have completely um,
1: turn, turned it upside down.
2: I'll tell you what, when when the breath, when the depth chart was released, uh, I I didn't catch it right away. I was busy at work, but I got a chance to look at it during a break. I mean I rubbed my eyes into the double take. It's like, holy crap. I cannot believe some of the names that are on this thing. Like, is this right? Is this is this the depth chart because you know, we got we're again, we're we're in the habit of, you know, you float your way to the top with time and things like that and that is not the case anymore, man. You you earn it during the fall camp and if you don't earn it, you aren't going to be on that sheet of paper.
1: No, I mean he makes some he makes some earn it from from, you know, from spring training, the, the off-season workouts. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, Puna Ford, young guy, Charlie Strong recruit, Chris Nelson's on there, um, you know, Derek Robeson, Charles Amahou, uh, I mean, Malik Jefferson, Edwin Freeman, Wheeler, Devontae Davis, fruit freshman, Holton Hill, I mean, Jason. I mean, it's just, there, there's it is a young, young group, which is exciting. I mean, let them get in there and get their feet wet and you know who, who knows how they're going to react um you know in front of 85,000 screaming people when the lights come on um you know some of them are going to be nervous but i mean it's still football and when they when they when they kick it off their juices are going to be flowing and and i think i think we're going to be fine um like you said there's probably going to be some plays where we're going to want to throw our visor across the stadium, but then we're going to, we're going to see Malik Jefferson or or one of these running backs do something. We're going to say, good God almighty, where's that been for five years? So, uh, you know, I was thinking today, you know, I think I started, we started this podcast, um, a week or two after, um, an OU game that we got 65 something points on 60 something points, hang on us, you know, um, I, I was thinking the other day, you know, how much fun this show is going to be when we're a top five or top ten team again, and we're and we're really really good. Ever since we started the podcast, uh, we haven't been a very good football team. So I mean, I mean we we've been a we've been a, a you know a, a you know what show for for five years. So I mean, you know, we we've gone through the down drum in this thing. So. If we can survive that when it gets good, it's gonna it's gonna be real it's gonna be really, really fun at some point. So well let's get into a few of these games I find um somewhat uh, interesting. Um a Big Twelve game, TCU's traveling up to Minnesota. Um they handled handled Minnesota pretty good last year. Um, T- TCU's, um it's up to sixteen. Um sixteen point favorite. Um it is on the road, first game. I mean you just don't know. I mean TCU's probably going to score a ton of points. Um, I think they'll cover the 16. I think this is probably going to be about a 49-13 type game. So I'm going with TCU to cover and obviously win big.
0: Well,
2: I looked at TCU's depth chart and that offense is scary. I didn't. I know you know everybody talks about Boykin coming back and uh, you know they've got some of their skills position guys, but I mean they're stacked. They've got. I mean they have seniors everywhere on that offense even guys that are plugging in are juniors and seniors. I think that offense, which was just on fire towards the end of the year. I mean, I was arguing with people last year. I thought the TCU offense was more explosive than Baylor's last year at the end of the season. And I think they're going to keep that rolling. The defense, I think, is a work in progress. Um, uh-huh. And that's what I'm that's what I'm looking to see. I mean, we know Patterson's a great coach, and he's going to have a good defense by the end of the year. But I think Minnesota's going to be able to put up some points uh, early in that game. So I've got I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go 42-28 TCU, and they will not cover this ever. I'm scared now that that spread is moving so much this week because usually those are people that know something that are pouring money in. But I think TCU's defense will get lit up a little bit, but their offense is too much for Minnesota to keep up with. Another game that's interesting up on the blue turf: former Boise
1: State coach coaching at Washington, and now. Um... Boise State, our um, ex-offensive coordinator has come back to Boise. Uh, Boise's a minus 11. Um, I think they cover that as well. I'm going to go 42-17, Boise State.
2: Yeah, this one's weird because uh, from what I've seen of Washington previews, I don't think Peterson's uh, got anything put together yet. I guess what this is year two for him, but... Yeah, they've had some attrition and injuries in the preseason, and and all of that. And Boise, you know, you're hearing talk of them being, you know, getting into BCS or whatever bowl, whatever we call it now, Group of Six Bowl or whatever. Um, and so that I think that number feels like it's low, especially playing out Boise. So I'm going to say thirty-eight to thirteen, Boise State. I'm pretty close to you.
1: Next one is Louisville and Auburn. Auburn's minus ten. Um, Auburn is, is is kind of my sleeper pick to surprise some people in the SEC. I think their quarterback play is going to be better. Um, I, I, I I think they're going to be a lot better than what they're going to be a team I watch kind of you know close for this year. Um, Louisville with Petrino, I think they're they're going to be good. I think they you know Louisville still got it rolling. Um, it's a ten point spread, ten and a half for Auburn. I think Louisville's going to keep it closer than that. I'm going to go 38-31 Auburn.
2: Well, if Auburn's your sleeper, Louisville is my sleeper. And I'm going to take Louisville okay. to win straight up 30-23. Oh. Double-digit the dog, right, straight up, man. Yeah, I'm, going, yeah. I'm going all in first week.
1: Um, the game that's got a lot of interest here in Texas, right up the road at NRG Stadium, Arizona State. And the Texas A&M Aggies. The Aggies are actually a three, three and a half point favorite. I'm not picking the Aggies. I don't like their defense at all. I don't care who Chavis is. I think they've got horrible linebackers. Their defensive backs are not very good. Their defensive line is pretty solid. They've lost some guys in the offensive line. Uh, I, I don't understand where the late love for, for A&M playoffs and all this or people are talking. I don't see it. I, I'll eat my words if they turn out to be good. I think they're a five- or six-loss team. I think Arizona State rolls in this game. I think Arizona State is
2: 45, A&M 30. So I'm pretty much with you. I think the only caveat I throw in there is what I was impressed with with Stumlin is early in the year, like that South Carolina game, I know South Carolina didn't end up being worth a hill of beans, but A&M was on fire early in the year. And you don't always see that, you know, first game that an offense is clicking. Um, So, you know, obviously they're not going to watch the game because we'll be busy uh, in Notre Dame Stadium Saturday night. But to to me, the thing to watch for is if A&M jumps out early, and is on fire like they were against South Carolina in the opener. I, I don't believe in Pac-12 teams, and I don't believe in them coming back. I think they might get punched in the mouth and fade. But um, generally, last year and put up a million yards, and against A&M defense, I think that's going to be too much. I'd say I think the over-under is 67. I'd say take the over big time. And I'm yeah. going to say Arizona State 43 to 35 over A&M.
1: All right, and I've
2: just changed the
1: pick. I've really gone back and forth on um, for about five days. The neutral game up there in your backyard, um, obviously they've only sold 40,000 tickets, um, and probably 20,000 of those are going to be A&M fans with SEC shirts on. Um, But um, (laughs) it's it's Wisconsin um, and Alabama up there. Alabama doesn't have a quarterback. Um, I, I just... I don't know what to think of this Alabama team this year. I just think there are two. I just, I just don't think this is This is going to be a very good football team, like we've expected. I may be wrong. Um, I think Wisconsin is is going all in on this game. They're trying to get some national exposure. I think somehow, some way, Wisconsin pulls the upset. I'm going twenty-eight, twenty-seven, Wisconsin with a field
2: goal as time expires. Hmm. I'll, I'll say that I think across the board this week the SEC lines are inflated. I think that, I think I don't know why or how, but I think the SEC love affair has translated the point spreads this week one. Because uh, across the board, like the Auburn game and a and I mean, there's games where I'm like, man, I'm not even sure those guys should be favored, and they're up, you know, double-digit yeah. favorite like Auburn, and Alabama. Man, the only problem I guess I have with Wisconsin is I just I honestly haven't looked into them enough. I think you make a great point on Alabama's quarterback situation. I think Alabama finds a way, though. I'm going to give it uh, 24-17 Alabama.
1: And then the game near and dear to our heart, obviously, Texas at Notre Dame. I have gone all the way from both spectrums on this game the last two weeks. I have been... Thinking about this in this moment in this podcast, what I was going to do yesterday, I was hard, or five days ago, I was about hard, fast, one hundred percent convinced what I was going to pick. And I guess it was on Monday I completely flipped and said, "Nope, I'm going to that." And then this afternoon, when I looked at it again, I, I switched again. So honestly, it's the it's the it's the war between my mind, my heart common sense and downright stupidity. That's where I am on this game. But I'm going to say this, and I'm probably going to regret this, but this is what I really, really feel is going to happen at this point. I think Swoops has honestly grown up. I think the offensive line, even with true freshmen, is going to be able to find something in the middle, and Warren and Yate Foreman, and we are going to manhandle them up front, Swoops is going to make some mistakes. We're going to – the defense, because of it, why Notre Dame's quarterback, we are going to force him to beat us with the arm. And I, and I saw what Vance Bedford and Charlie Strong's defense did to Baylor last year. We confused Petty, and even in the first half had Boykin on his heels, two of the most high-fluting flying offenses last year. And I think we're just as talented on defense except young um, – I think we're going to confuse him. We're going to force him to do some things. I think this new freshman class is sick and damn tired of hearing we're soft. They're pissed off about that Arkansas game, and we're going to go out there and win a signature game for Charlie Strong. Our Longhorns are going to kick Notre Dame's ass in the mouth. I'm going with my homer pick. Texas wins. Shocks the nation. I'm going to say 38
2: Thirty-four, Texas. Wow. I need a, I need a second blank. to recover from that. <laughs>
0: wow.
2: That, I. Uh, you, know, you better check for me in Chicagoland hospitals uh, Sunday morning if that happens because I will kind of sign <laughs> <find> one on. <laughs> like you won't believe. Uh, okay, so let me. Before I get to my tick, let me go through to me what I think are three. Keys that'll swing this game, and I I think you're right. Why you're flipping back and forth is I think this game. What makes it interesting is it could go all kinds of different directions. Uh, and that's what's exciting. Well, let me about tell you, let me tell you where I,
1: let me tell you let me tell you where I was five days ago. I was at about 38 to seven Notre Dame, and then I thought, well, no, it's going to be closer. And I said, the hell with it, I'm going all in. But go ahead.
2: <laughs> well, number one, you know the thing we talked about a lot last year, and that I have harped on is, you know, we gave away almost a 100 points in catastrophic turnovers and kickoff returns and punt returns and block field goal returns and interceptions for pick six. That's 100 freaking points. That Now, you're going to have a couple of them throughout the year. Every team does. But you should only have a couple of them, two, three. I mean, we gave up like 11 touchdowns where the offense didn't have to do a damn thing. Uh, And our defense was still one of the best, you know, maybe not scoring defenses, but our, we had a good defense, and it looked like we were terrible because we gave up points like it was Christmas morning. So number one is no no catastrophes. You cannot throw pick sixes. You can't give up punt returns, no block punts, no things like that. I think if, you, if Texas has eliminated that, they're going to be a much better team just from eliminating that. Meanwhile, if they go back to that and, you know, if the first pass of the game is a pick six for a touchdown – Those ghosts come right back into their helmet, you know, and in between their ears. So that's number one. Uh, Number two key for me is Vance Bedford. You've already talked about it. I mean, Zaire, I watched the LSU bowl game. To me, he was clearly better than Golson. I didn't know why Golson kept coming back into the game. My dad went to LSU, said the exact same thing after the game. Uh, But we haven't seen him really have to win the game throwing. They were able to run, 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 run on LSU. Uh, I think Bedford will come up with a game plan if they can force Zaire to throw. That will have him throwing into traffic, which could be good for Texas if we can force turnovers. And number three, man, I'm going to say it is: there's one guy on that offense that Notre Dame doesn't have any tape on, and Notre Dame has heard that Charles, that, that Swoops is going to play, and they're, they've seen plenty of tape on Swoops, and they're game planning the Swoops, the X-factor X wild card is if Gerard Hurd comes in and makes something happen, whether it's running, whether it's, you know, scrambling around and finding somebody. But if he can kind of bust the game open, that's kind of what I see possibly with the season having, you know, maybe happening over the first few weeks is Swoops is going to be the guy, but Hurd is your guy that starts the first drive at the start of the second quarter. And he's the he's the kind of lightning rod that gets the offense kind of loose and relaxed, and then I'm telling you, even if he drives them down the field for a touchdown, swoops might come right back into the game. And I'm worried about that. I'm excited about it, but I'm worried about it at the same time because Texas fans cannot stomach switching quarterbacks because if Hurd scores a touchdown at Notre Dame, even if he throws five interceptions after that, we're going to have people flying banners over the stadium at the Rice game about how Gerard Hurd is the man and he's a Heisman candidate and all of this nonsense. So, you know, the Hurd thing, I think, is your X factor. But, um, you know, if he wins the game, awesome. I'll take a win any, t- any way I can get it. But it means a whole season of, uh, you know, ridiculous takes on our quarterback situation. Uh, because I do think that – I think Swoops is going to be, a, you know, better. And I think he's your safer, more, uh, more consistent option if he can eliminate the ridiculous turnovers. Uh, but Hurd's going to be the guy that comes in and just puts a jolt in things from time to time. Uh, and I think Notre Dame, I mean – They don't know what they're – Texas doesn't know what they're getting when they put him out there, so Notre Dame surely doesn't. I think Texas is going to play a fantastic first half and I think maybe even lead 10-7 or 13-10 and have us all fired up. Um, I think, though, that Notre Dame, they have the depth. Uh, I think they're going to find a way late. And I'm going to take Notre Dame 27-17, but I think that it's a game that Texas fans are going to be pissed about a few plays that didn't go our way um but i think they're going to feel like we stood toe to toe with Notre Dame for 60 minutes and they're going to be really excited about the rest of the year. Sorry. I I'll take your pick oh. over mine.
1: <laughs> no, no, i I trust me. It's not it's not a uh, it's it's not a um it, it, it's 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 not an easy game to pick cuz i mean you just no. don't know. I mean I mean you just don't know what the You know, is the true freshman, or is it going to be too big a atmosphere for them this early on? Um, My gut, um, my gut, my gut feel says uh, no. I think some of them will, but I think I think it goes back. I've said this a million times. Charlie Strong likes to recruit a certain kind of player, and that player is one that loves to ball because it's such a grind. And I think we've got about thirty-five or forty guys on the roster that absolutely love football 24-7 and they've taken over this team so um and you know um, what Mike to
2: to that point to that point um I think strong as well you know now that he's getting some of his guys out there I think part of this fall practice I mean they've got to have Notre Dame on the brain the entire fall I, I think that strong can look guys in the eye and he has a feel for who's going to be ready for for prime time and who's not and maybe that explains some of the some of the surprises in the depth chart is there may be some guys on the roster even that are going to end up better or going to end up back on the the top 2 uh for positions but um yeah. I think he's he I he knows how big this game is and he can't have guys that are going to, you know, wet their pants when they walk out there and hear the Notre Dame fight song fire up. Exactly.
1: Well, again, I want to thank Eric for One Foot Down coming on and talking about Notre Dame, not only the football team, things to see and do in South Bend and on the Notre Dame campus. That was awesome stuff. Uh, We'll be back next Wednesday. Hopefully we'll have good news. And if it ain't a win, at least we'll still have some good news that the team looks better. And then we'll get get ready for the home opener at Rice. Everybody traveling today, tomorrow, safe travels. Uh, we'll be in Chicago Thursday and Friday. We'll be at Wrigley Field Friday, get up Saturday. We'll be over at, uh, at Notre Dame campus all day. Um, if you listen to the podcast or uh, talk to us on Twitter, tweet at us. Uh, we'll try to meet up, shake your hand, say hi, and probably drink a cold beer with you. Uh, Matt, tell our listeners uh, where they can talk to you at.
2: Yes, sir. You can find me on Twitter at UT Tailgators. UT Tailgators, no spaces, no hyphens. Going to be almost all football all the time on there from now on.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, your, your your Giants are still kind of in it. My uh, Astros are trying to hold uh, off the Rangers. So it's going to be an interesting close in the baseball season. The big thing I see with my Astros right now is we've got to get people healthy. We've got to get Springer back, Carrera, everybody back in the lineup. If we do, I, I think we're going to be fine. I just want to see them get in the playoffs somehow, some way. So we're going to still be talking a little baseball because it's, it's kind of exciting and. Um, obviously, the Cowboys are starting. The Texans are starting, so it is football all the time. Um, so it's going to be fun. Um, we'll be back next Wednesday. getting ready for Rice. Um, if you want to talk to me on Twitter, as always, it's at MBHornsFan. I'll see you, Matt, about noon or before at. Um, I went blank at the bleachers. Um, Murphy's bleachers. Murphy's bleachers, right there at um, right across from Wrigley. Friday, mid-morning, or afternoon. So with that said, Longhorn fans, always remember the eyes of Texas are upon us. Hook them horns. We'll see you next
0: Wednesday. I guess it finally rained. It's down to 85. I bet the fish are biting down by the riverside. But it's the only place made colder Around here in the middle of June By the endless string of strangers Brought by the summer moon My brother moved off to Houston And most of my friends stay gone I need to pay my taxes I don't like to mow my lawn I have a harmless habit of being fine wherever I am. But the way this water's rising, I need to get up above the dam. Tonight I'm rolling up north, back to where I paid to do. Tonight the answer is Austin. For the Cold Mountain County Booth.